0: Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. My name is John Schmunk. The guy next to me, you recognize him. He's Greg Cosell, one of the great executive producers, analyst for NFL Films. Of course, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, the Giants mobile app, and at Giants.com slash podcast. Greg, it's good to see you in person, man. It's, It's been a couple years. I know.
1: We missed out last year, John. It's good to see people again, you know, yourself included. It's, it's, that's one of the nice things about the combine, to reconnect with people, you know? It really is, yeah.
0: and, and we're here in Indy as we kind of continue here. We've been talking a lot about draft prospects, but for the folks that know Greg's work, uh, he's one of the best, if not the best, X's and O's guys in the business. So we're going to focus here on the draft at the end of the interview, but we'll start just talking about what we might see from the Giants this year, Greg. There's obviously a lot of changes, and it starts with, with head coach Brian Dable, and I know you did uh, for your ESPN show breaking down a lot of the tape, right? Uh, Bill's going deep into the playoffs and they bring in Mike as our offensive coordinator from the Chiefs. How do you see all of that coming together with those two guys and how what this Giants offense might look like with Daniel Jones?
1: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. I mean, one of the things with Brian Dable is, I I, I think that he has some really good route concepts and route design, um, which and a lot of them are, are intermediate and vertical. Um, You know, he obviously also had a a very good quick game with Josh Allen, the ball would come out quick. Um, So he was brought in clearly, as you know, John. uh, This is what, Daniel Jones fourth or? He's heading into his fourth year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So clearly Brian Dable was, was brought in to see what Daniel Jones ultimately is. And, and granted, this is a team that has, they don't have bad weapons if you just look at them on a sheet of paper. Assuming but, they're healthy. Right, that was my <laughs> point. Um, and, and they have multidimensional weapons, and that's that's always something that you do want. But guys have to stay healthy. Um But I think the number one goal here is to find out what Daniel Jones is. It's not so much the scheme per se, because yeah, do they have some good concepts? Every offensive coach in the league has good concepts. Look, Mike Kafka comes from Andy Reid and he played in Philly as well when Andy Reid was there. So he has those concepts which many in the league would consider really good pass game concepts. So it's not the concepts per se, It's, can you make Daniel Jones a consistent player in terms of his technique, in terms of what he sees, in terms of how you coach him? One of the things Brian Dable was known for with Josh Allen, and Josh Allen was extremely receptive, was Brian Dable was known to coach him hard. And and I think that, I've always been a believer in that. I think the quarterback position at the NFL level has to be coached, and when I say coached, I mean details, nuance, subtleties, Quarterback in the NFL is a disciplined craft position. We're so used now with highlights, seeing guys make secondary action, improvisational run around plays that people get lost in the fact that the position at its core is a detailed, subtle, nuanced, disciplined craft position. See it and make quick decisions. Right, right? and it has to mm-hmm. start there. And I mean, I can go back and tell you a story about Ron Jaworski when he was with the Eagles in nineteen eighty, he'd been in the league seven years. And Dick Vermeil brought in Sid Gilman. And Sid Gilman was known is known by many to be the father of the modern day passing game. And Jaws said, "You know, I've been in the league seven years, and Sid Gilman actually started the first day of off-season workouts with the quarterback center exchange and doing it the right way."
0: It sounds like Bill Walsh the way he right. kind of worked that with and, Montana, and, yeah.
1: And that's what—that's the way things have to be coached. You know, the, to me, again, I'm not a coach, okay? So I don't want to come across like I know more than coaches because I don't. But. To me, it's not about drawing up cool route designs on the board. That to me should not be the starting point with Daniel Jones. The starting point should be just what, we, just what I spoke about. You know, taking the snap, the right steps on your drop, the right steps on your drop from under center, the right steps on your drop when you're in the shotgun. You know, where do your eyes go? Move your eyes with your feet so you're not throwing off balance. You know, the basic things almost starting over. It's a new coaching staff. Dable was brought in because he's an offensive coach. That's why he's the head coach, because he's an offensive coach who obviously did a great job with Josh Allen. So now the goal is to do a great job with Daniel Jones, and you have to start at the very beginning.
0: This podcast and all of our combined coverage is presented by AWS, proud partner of the New York Giants. What did you see from Dable's development from Josh Allen that Giant fans might be able to gleam something for how he's gonna handle Daniel in terms, you know, what the steps in right. Allen's progression was? Because let's be honest, Josh Allen's first year, wasn't very good but it got progressively better and and, he took
1: that big jump in year three and the thing about it and it started the second half of year two to be honest Mm -hmm. um but the thing about josh and again i can't speak to dable's role in this i know josh is very close with jordan palmer who's Mm -hmm. been his quarterback coach for years and and a lot of people give jordan credit i know jordan and, and and i'm He's done a great job with him. But Josh Allen has done something that I can't recall. John, you've been doing this for a while, too. I can't recall a quarterback's ball placement getting so dramatically better in such a short time than Josh Allen's. I
0: mean, Greg, right. I'm going to be honest. People do the 2020 hindsight thing. How did these teams pass on Josh Allen? Oh, I mean, yeah, that's a nightmare. Right. I mean, you look at his Wyoming tape. I, the I, ball's all over the place. Correct. I mean,
1: Josh, look, everybody knew at 6'5", 240 that he was a big physical specimen and that he could throw the ball and that he could move. Um, But... No one would have said when he came out of Wyoming, or even after his first year in the league, that he was going to become a relatively precise ball location thrower. I
0: mean, he was under 60 percent. I think he was under 55 percent. And, and his he missed game. badly. He was scattershot. shot. Yeah, all over the place. Right. All a, over the on place. Easy throws.
1: Correct. Yeah. And the bottom line in the NFL is you can't miss layups. You don't get a lot of layups as a quarterback. You can't miss layups. Correct. And so again, I, I don't want to sit here and speak out of school. I don't know what Dable's role in that versus Jordan's role in that. Uh, you know what I can tell you is I think that Dable brings, which most coaches do, but he brings a fully dimensional, three-level offensive approach. Explain what you mean by that. He attacks all three levels of the defense. There's a short, intermediate, and vertical level, mm-hmm. and he attacks all those levels. Now, the game, particular game plans will dictate how much you do of each one, depending on who your opponent is. Sure. Uh, a lot of factors go into that, but it's it's fully dimensional in the way it's taught and the way it can be executed on any given sunday Um, but as i said to me that's needs to be secondary to really starting with the basics and getting daniel jones feeling incredibly comfortable with the details of the position you got to start there you know i know he's going into his fourth year I don't know Daniel Jones personally. My guess is he's a good guy. He and would,
0: he's literally been in the building every day of this offseason. Correct. I, I don't yeah. think. My yeah. guess
1: is he would not have an issue with any of this stuff we're no, talking about. No, he would not. No. <clears throat> so, uh, so, you know, I think he'll take to this. My guess is if he has to be coached hard, he'll be totally fine with that. He's not going to rebel against that and act like I know it all. I don't no. think he's that guy at all. Um, so... You know, we'll see where it goes, but clearly Brian Dable was brought in to make Daniel Jones worthy of a sixth pick in a draft. Yeah, 100%. All
0: right, let's talk about the schematic part of this, right? Because I went back and I watched Kafka and I watched Dable, and I felt that. The offenses kind of attacked defenses and put them in difficult situations in the same way, but the way they went about it was different, right? Dable, he didn't really run a lot of bunch sets, right? It was... Right. He spreads the guys out, correct? Tries to set up those one-on-one matchups. He has good separators. They win. Right. Allen hits him.
1: And a quarterback who's very aggressive throwing the ball. And So he'll throw to one-on-ones.
0: I I was shocked when I went back, and I'm like, and this is kind of... It gave me a lot of confidence, and I'm like, well, Brian Dable clearly sculpted this offense specifically for Josh Allen, how many times Allen would either boot to one side or play action to one side, and the play was designed to come back the other way. Because he had the arm to make those throws. Josh
1: Allen is the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL. Correct, And that's without question. That's not, to me, that's not a debatable point. You know, we can debate who's the best quarterback. That's a great conversation, yes. but it's, you're just
0: talking about physical traits. He's the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. He throw it further than anybody. He can run like a running back and he's just, it's amazing. He's gonna yeah. do everything. Then you have Kafka, right? And we know about the Chiefs and their big plays. He did an interview with Bob Poppin. The first thing, when Bob asked them about um, what it takes to be a good offense in the league, what do you think his answer was? The, his first thing to say, what what, a team has to be good at in order to be a good offense.
1: You mean what Kafka said? Yeah. I don't know what he said. He
0: said explosive plays. Right, which is, that's... And if you look at and, and the And by Chiefs the way, do,
1: I'm not surprised by that because most coaches would tell you that offense needs to be built to create explosive plays. Correct, and that's what he said. Yeah.
0: But I feel like, you know, the Chiefs, they run a lot more bunch sets, right? They're more RPO. Bills did more straight right, play action, right, I feel right. like. So I'm really curious to see how you combine those two elements together. And everything people have told me about Dable is that he's extremely open to ideas and different things. Yeah, and he's very and flexible.
1: And they, Dable ran, if you, if you, you know... I uh, even went back two years, I don't know how much you watch, but he likes to run a lot of deep crossers, mm-hmm. a lot of those kinds of routes, whereas Andy Reid and Kafka comes a lot more from the flood concept, where it's, you know, the, the three-level stretch to one side of the field. And then you, you have know, the deep
0: drag. <coughs> and over then, the yeah, field, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah, yeah, a lot of sure.
1: concepts here. Like I said, these are all really good concepts, and there's intermediate and vertical elements Um that are involved, and they have, you know, well, the one thing too about Kafka, he comes, and, and Dable did some of this too, not as much as, as the, um, the Chiefs did, but the Chiefs did a lot of motion, uh, the Chiefs did a lot of jet motion. You know, they had players like that. The they, Bills
0: actually used a lot of that with Josh Allen's design runs this year. With right, jet right, motion. right. Yeah, yeah. But in
1: their past game, they Correct. didn't use as no, much motion as the Chiefs do. Mm-hmm. You know, they started to use Isaiah McKenzie a little more toward later in the season. Um, but the Giants, you know, assuming Tony's healthy, he's that kind of player. Mm-hmm. You can line him up anywhere, outside, inside. He's a motion guy, you can put him in the backfield. Um, you know, we saw the, the Chiefs obviously put their wide receivers in the backfield at times. The Bills did at times. So there's a lot here to work with, and you can use
0: Saquon in those type of roles too, right? With his various. I guess abilities. if he's still around. Well, yeah, correct. Yeah. We'll see. <clears throat>
1: the rumor mill has studied it's the combine the rumor mills you know going pretty shockingly
0: good shockingly great they asked the general manager question and he answered the kind of generically but then people kind of took right, a lot right, out right, of right, that right, which right. is you know new york media never does that sort of stuff it's crazy no 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 <laughs> but
1: no so i mean look I, I know he didn't have a good year numbers wise and he was hurt a lot but mm-hmm. galladay certainly is a big f- w- big boundary x receiver he fills that role now a
0: different type of receiver than what dable had in buffalo and what Kafka had in the, with the chiefs though you know Correct. He's not a separator like the guys. That no, no, those systems. no,
1: no. He's not. He's not. He's more of your traditional boundary x that can win, can, can, can throws, match up on it. Yeah. Right, right, and make make contested catches both the, along the sideline and in the middle of the field. Um, so yeah, he's more typical in that regard. But I mean, Tony is certainly a movable chess piece. Um, then they got to figure out. You know, I, I mean, right now, what's what's Ingram's status? Free agent. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, you don't know whether he'll be back. And he's obviously. Sterling Shepard's
0: coming off the torn Achilles that he tore in right. early and December. And so
1: he's, yeah, that's a tough injury. That's a really tough injury. Yeah, he may not be back.
0: For a quickness guy yeah. in the slot, yeah. that's yeah. hard. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, I mean, you know, and then they've got to make sure that the offensive line, however they see it, you know, gets fixed. Well, because and,
0: and you hit it. Like, to run those deep crossing well, concepts over sure. overs. if you can't protect. No, you can't and, protect. And, and Daniel Jones isn't he's an athlete but he's not as elusive in the pocket as a Mahomes No, or he's Allen more straight is. line. Correct. Right. So he's not going to necessarily artificially create No, he's extra more straight time. line
1: and linear. He's not he's not like the thing that separates Josh Allen from even let's say Justin Herbert right. is that Justin Herbert is straight line linear. Josh Allen moves, he's got some some fluidity and and loosens to his
0: hips. Right, and that's what you know, Giant fans will call up our shows the last, last couple of years. We don't understand. Why aren't they throwing the ball down the field more? And I go, you know, guys, besides like your either straight fades or, or straight fly patterns in your nine routes, like, you actually need a couple seconds to develop right, these deep right. overs. Like, it, it takes time. You know, those and, throws you do.
1: Yeah. And, and also, Josh is different than Daniel Jones. And, and again, of course, now you get into the, the nuances. Josh can just sit on his back foot, and as people get closer to him, he can still throw, drive the ball, you know, 30 yards down the field on a deep over. He doesn't have, have to fully over. step
0: into it and Jones stuff can't like quite that. do that. Right. Jones
1: doesn't have a bad arm, but he doesn't have that kind of arm. Well,
0: no, few, few do. do. Few yeah, do, few do, yeah. So,
1: I mean, you know, you have to— you have to factor in a lot of different things here. You know, the offensive line really comes into play here, and I think that's an area that they have to look to improve. When you look at developing an offensive line, and we had Daniel, and I'm not right, an uh, expert um, on this. I'll give you, my, I'll oh, do my best here. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. Ta- I'm
0: not talking about technique or <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But when you talk about, you know, putting a line together and building one, right? right? And and we had uh, Joe Shane talked about this when we had him on on a Tuesday. I guess it was all these days blunt together out right here. Um, he didn't build his Bills offensive line with first round picks. No. They had one first round pick in Miami. And by the way, it's there. not a
1: great all line I can tell you that. No, it's not. Yeah. It's
0: right. Josh Allen makes it a lot better yeah, because yeah. he moves around like a maniac. You know, they had Laramie Tunsil in Miami. Um, and then we had Daniel Jeremiah and he has his what I call his tomato can theory in that you don't need five all pros. You don't. You, you, you just can't have one or two tomato cans that teams can target and attack well, on you. Like you have to be, you don't have to be a top five line. You just can't be a bottom quarter. But now line. you get
1: into, and this is where, you know, and there's so many variables, as you know, John, I mean, and we could probably have this conversation for three hours. Yes, of course, but, which would be great, but, by the way, but, but we don't have the time. Right, right. But where your offensive line comes into play is when you get into those longer yardage situations, because if you feel you have to protect your offensive line with extra bodies, that limits what you can do with your out
0: concepts and by the way it's probably why the giants were so poor in two minute situations last year because other teams know you're going to pass and you have to pass and that's when your offensive line gets exposed correct
1: so (laughs) you know you're right in that do you need five all pros no but you every offensive coach wants to send out five okay because football on the pass game is a numbers game john you know the just like the defense would like to be able to rush with four effectively and play seven in coverage, the offense would love to be able to send out five and only block, block with, with five, five right. okay? It's a numbers game, but if you can't block with five, and when does that show up? It doesn't show up on first and 10 or second and three when you can be proactive with your play calls. You can play action pass. You can do a lot of yeah, different correct. things. Right. Mm-hmm. It shows up on third and eight, okay? You you don't want to have to keep a tight end or a back in to protect or even chip because when they chip, they're automatically not primary receivers. Because, same,
0: same with the tight end. And by the way, that's right. one of the reasons Evan Ingram's <coughs> numbers are way down this year. Right. He was chipping. All, right. I, you can't so, run a you can't run a so,
1: seam route if you're chipping. So now exactly that limits the routes your tight end can run. I mean, say what you want, and obviously Mahomes is a different kind of player, you know, than than many in the league, but. Travis Kelsey was often a split detached receiver when they were in third down situations. Mm -hmm. You know, only once in a while might he chip, but that was not really what they had to do because they didn't have a great, great O-line. It was a good O-line, but Mahomes can also make it better, just like Allen can make it better. So, you know, you have to factor that into the equation as you look at Daniel Jones. While Daniel Jones can certainly run in a straight line and we've seen him on zone reads show some, some speed, but he's not elusive. Right. You know, he's not that guy.
0: 100%. All right, I could talk offensive with you. Right, but right. I want to jump to Wink's side, and, and, we will, and we'll definitely have Greg on on a Zoom at some point before the draft to do more in depth and we have more time. Um, what do you think about the Wink-Martindale scheme and kind of what I that love means it. for the Giants defense? Talk to me about it.
1: I love it. I mean, first of all, I love the fact that Wink-Martindale is, a, is an aggressive D coordinator. I think some of his pressure schemes are as good as there are in the league with his ability to understand protections and break them down, and what that means, just so because you hear that term a lot, what that means really, making it very simple, is by aligning your front a certain way, your defensive front, you can pretty much dictate what the offensive line is going to do from a protection standpoint, and you know that from film as well, but when you show a certain front look, you know, hey, we're overloading one side, we know the O-line is now going to slide that way. Right. What he's really good at is showing certain things, dictating the protection, and then coming from the other side where, right. the, where the protection is now weak. He's really good at that. So I love the fact that he's aggressive. I think they've got, like to me, a player like Xavier McKinney is such a good fit for, for the, the Martindale defense, because McKinney is so versatile. He can play multiple positions. He can play on your back end. He can play in the box. He essentially can play linebacker, and if you wanna play with six DBs or even seven DBs. He can do slot corner. You can be slot corner. No, mm-hmm. I was just gonna add that, yeah. you know. I mean, there was a player on Baltimore that maybe Giants fans don't know, named Deshaun Elliott, who was not a high draft choice, came out of Texas. Most people didn't think he'd play in the league because he didn't have quote unquote traits he became an integral part of Wink Martindale's defense in Baltimore because he could do all these kinds of things, and McKinney can do them far
0: better. That's interesting. When it comes to wings defense, you talked about how he manipulates the offensive yep. line, creates matchups, gets free rushers, which is kind of the point of all that. Do you think it's necessary when you run that type of scheme to invest heavily in top and super talented edge guys, or is the scheme enough to generate pressure on its own without having those elite guys that can consistently win one-on-one matchups. When you're trying to measure where you want I mean, to invest if the if most I mean if you're asking your me
1: relatively speaking, I would say that it's more important in, in that scheme to have quality man-to-man corners.
0: That was that was basically where I was going with the question, yeah. right?
1: Because you can scheme up pressure now, does every team want the one guy or two guys who can win one? Of course. I well, mean, everybody wants, wants that. Course. Yeah. Right. But if you're just asking me, relatively speaking, he can create pressure.
0: I'm talking like when, compa- like, let's say you're running one mm. of these, you know, two deep schemes that right. all of your buddies running now. Right. Like, it's more important to me to have the good pass on that. Yeah. I mean, and if, that you, if you
1: really want to be a four-man rush team, and and I don't think Martindale's that guy. No, he's not. You know. No. But if you want to be that team, then you need those guys that you mentioned. But. If you're gonna, if you wanna pressure, whether you're rushing five or six, or even what we call simulated pressure, where you rush four, but two of the four could be a linebacker and a safety, you know, then you want you need to play man outside the numbers.
0: Like One thing I saw constantly from then, Greg, like you talk about, it, he would bring the two linebackers up into the two A-gaps, right?
1: Everybody does that. Right, of course. The, the double, double mug, mug, the double yeah, mug, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So
0: fakes the blitz, and then all of a sudden, the cornerback comes Correct. on the other side, Correct. and then all of a sudden you get the right. matchup, because and they're not ready. Putting for him, two right. guys
1: up in the in the a gaps dictates protection. Exactly, because you can't change your protection in the middle of the play. Correct. So, um, so yeah, so I think that the the having man corners in Martindale's scheme to me would be more important than having you know just the one rusher, you know, the one edge rusher. And, and by the way, I don't think um, the Georgia kid had a bad year. Uh, the rookie.
0: Nicole, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I don't
1: think he had a bad year at all. I, no. mean, I thought he sh- I was pretty good. Yeah, I thought that uh, he showed that he could become a quality one on one pass rusher.
0: If you hear the grunting behind this, by yeah. the way, the bench press, I would say, is about, what, 100, 200 feet away from us, give it, or is. Take? it is. And guys are working right now. So we're going to wrap in a second. Oh, Gray's got the other stuff he's got to do. What kind of linebackers, off ball linebackers, talking, not edge guys, would martindale be looking for in that system you know because there's so many of these range do you think he cares about size because i only ask you because there's a guy like the dean who's coming out right Right. and so many smaller college linebackers no i don't 25 Six foot does he care about that look at patrick queen that's where i was kind of going with it right i mean
1: i think he would rather have range and sideline to sideline and the ability to blitz as opposed to the 245 pound guy now as we know there's there's not going to be a Micah Parsons who comes out every year yeah Charlie you know? like once every ten years exactly right. so I mean <laughs> there's so I I would I would think he would rather have range play speed blitz ability you know that kind of thing Interesting. to me that to me that's the way I would see
0: it all right before we wrap and again we're gonna have Greg on before the draft to talk more about it give me your Final thing, just overall ten thousand foot lens on this draft class and kind of oh, how I, you're looking at it. And
1: I'm just being honest, John. Not copying out. I haven't seen enough, you know, no, because I'm a one man scouting service and I can't really jump into this in detail until after the Super Bowl, which was not that long ago. 100 percent, Greg. I feel you. And as you know, John, I'm not one of those guys that watches twenty plays of guys. So when you get to certain positions, I got to watch four or five games. Oh, absolutely, it, take, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm just being honest. I, I don't want to say anything about guys. I haven't seen. No, so I think that's fair. Yeah. And by the way, that's why we like having you yeah, on because yeah.
0: I know we're getting the straight dope. We're not. Yeah. Just no. Getting no. I'm
1: not going to make it up. A dope. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to make it up. I don't watch 20 plays just to put a tweet out.
0: Right which is what unfortunately yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. do too. Greg, always great talking to you, my John, man. John, I appreciate it, man. Thanks always so much. Always a pleasure, Greg sell And tell the folks where they can find all your stuff, by the way. Um, I know you're doing the new podcast, I'm doing right? a new podcast yeah. called
1: um, uh, um, Tape Heads NFL Draft Season yep. with Bob Wachusen, who I'm sure you know. I bet, I know Bob. Just yep. play-by-play, you know, one of the, he's phenomenal. Um, there's gonna be two of those every week for a half hour. We hope to have some great guests as well, but we'll be talking not only players in the draft, but concepts, you know, things that make the NFL and college different, things you have to look for. I mean, we did our first one last week, our first two, um, I guess earlier this week. I'm so lost on the days, John. I know, John. so alive. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be really a lot of
0: fun. Bob's phenomenal. All right, we look forward to seeing it. Make sure you check Greg out on Twitter as well. Does a great job over at NFL Films. Thanks for joining us on the Giants Hotel Podcast. and it was all brought to you by AWS, proud partner of the New York Giants. For Great Gosella. I'm John Schmelk. Stay tuned to Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and all our social media platforms for continued coverage of the NFL Combine out here in Indianapolis, including Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then, everybody.